This morning we're going to continue our sermon series of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, and somebody is trying to tell me the page number. What is the page number? 1825? Yeah? 1825 in your blue Bible if you're using the one in your seat. So I want to remind us that Paul's purpose in writing And he had expressed that he not only was writing, but he was hoping to go visit the church in Philippi to see their progress. And um, I want to read this from Philippians 1, 25 to 26, before we get to our text for today. Just to remind us, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain in jail and remain alive, and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, Your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So he wants to see their progress in faith and their progress in the joy in their faith. And as an outcome or an evidence of that, there's just going to be this boasting in Christ. All right? So that's his purpose. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's aiming for. And so Philippians 3, starting with verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters... Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, flawless but whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ what's more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the reading of God's word. 
I want to talk for a moment about a TV show, Antique Roadhouse or Roadshow. Have you ever seen that on TV, some of you? People bring in their treasures. People bring in things that maybe they've had for a long time, and they get the expert's opinion about whether it has value or not, the worth of our treasures. And so I have a couple. I want this first one. All right, so I have a couple of treasures with me today. Um, One of them is a little Precious Moments figurine that I got when I graduated from nurse's training. It's a nurse that's getting ready to give a little bear a shot. Um, I've had this little figurine for a long time, and I thought maybe someday it would be a collectible thing and maybe have some value. So it took a prominent place when I first graduated. And then it's gradually moved, and now it's on the top of the bulkhead over some bookshelves. But I got up on a chair and got it down this morning to share with you this special treasure. Now, I have another treasure that's been in our house since the time that, um, 1986? 1986. This is a can of Jay's potato chips. It gets refilled regularly. We've never been without Jay's potato chips. I'm not making a commercial for Jay's. But um, anyway, this is also a treasure. This is something that's held on to, that has been held on to for a long time. And you know, when you put these two things together, you know, here's this beautiful, dainty, lovely, I don't know what it is made out of, porcelain or something, Um, And then there's this old beat-up can. Which one do you think people comment on when they come to our house? This one. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Value, like supply and demand. Um, This is what seems to get more um, comments. And I think if we put it up on Craigslist or, you know, something trying to sell it, I actually think we'd probably have more people think that this had value rather than that sweet little um, thing, that little figurine. So trash or treasure, worthless or highly valuable. If you have something highly valuable, don't you know that you get excited? And on that TV show, when people find out all of a sudden that something is a value, You know, they scream or they maybe do a little dance depending on the culture and where they're doing their filming. Um, You know, when people are excited, sometimes it even comes bubbling out in song, right? Song and dance. um, I feel good. Na, 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 na. Right? I got you. I got you. I got you. Bum, bum, bum. Right? Like, it just, these songs just bubble up. They're getting married in three weeks. Right? So... Just got to say, you're out. So, um, but these songs come bubbling up. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Let this joy in your relationship. Jesus, I got you. Bump, 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 bump. Sing. Sing it. Sing a song. Rejoice in the Lord. It's um, not just a feeling, but it's an activity. He's saying, verbalize with praise. Verbalize with singing. Bring out your joy, your joy in the Lord. It's not just a feeling, it's an activity. And he's telling them, there's different, when we read this passage, 
at first, if you start to try to analyze it, it can be a little confusing. Like, well, is he saying the safeguard is what he's getting ready to say? Watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. Or is the safeguard actually rejoicing? And I believe this morning that the safeguard that he's telling us is rejoice in the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Celebrate his goodness. That's going to be the safeguard so you don't get tempted to um, go astray. And so he starts this morning, and um, his purpose in writing the church in Philippi is to say rejoice in the Lord. Keep your focus on him. Keep your joy in him. And remember, joy is that optimistic look to the future where we have this settled emotional state of peace as we look to the future. So as we look to the future, this joy that ends up coming out in an action, a rejoicing, is that we have a certain future in Jesus. Now he goes on and he talks about these trash-talking teachers. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Boy, he is really kind of blunt, right? He's using one of their terms and turning it back on himself. You see, the Jews used to refer to the Gentiles as dogs. And he's saying, watch out for these dogs, a derogatory term, a low-life scavenger, he calls them. Watch out. Watch out means be on your guard. Be very careful. You see, the Jewish Christians, they were Christians, but they were teaching in the church that there was something that you had to do. You had to have these Jewish identity markers in order to be a full Christian. So they started bringing in this teaching that you needed these Jewish identity markers. And really... That is not true. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what matters. And that's what eliminates the attraction to all these religious activities that are being promoted as something that is essential or highly valuable. And so from the context of this, we can tell that the Jewish Christians were telling the Gentile Christians that your salvation actually is faith plus works that it's not just faith alone, but they're telling them wrongly that it's faith plus works. They're saying you need to have circumcision. That's what that mutilators of the flesh, when he's referencing that, and then he talks about, but we have the circumcision of the heart. So he's talking about teaching that would say, oh, if you're a Gentile, then you need to actually be circumcised to be a full-blooded Christian. And so... um, They're trying to be persuading the Gentile Christians that they weren't really truly God's chosen people if they didn't have this mark of identity. Now, not only was there differences between Jews and Gentiles in the church, but even between Hebrew Jews and Grecian Jews, they differed in their language and in some of their culture. Don't you know that it's part of sin is that we're always trying to one-up somebody, compare ourselves, and trying to... What those things do is they start to bring division rather than unity. Well, Paul, because he's talking to people that he loves and knows and they know him, they know that when he starts in this, you know, laying out his pedigree of all his credentials, they know that he's really not boasting, like he's got a point in bringing this all up. But let's look at Paul's list for a minute. He talks about some things that are social status, 
and also some personal achievements. He talks about being circumcised on the eighth day. That's part of Paul's privileged status, his social status, because he was born into a Jewish family that um, followed the Jewish law for circumcision given to them from um, Genesis 17. He also was born in a tribe of Benjamin, which was a privileged position. Now, how many of you can control who you got born in, what family you got born into? You have no control over it all, but if you get born into a nice family, well, that's, that's fortunate. And he's saying, I got born into the tribe of Benjamin. Well, to us, that really doesn't mean a lot because we don't know the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, maybe here in the United States, well, I'm not even going to guess a name of a family that you might say, oh, if you were born into that family, whoa, you know, but you could probably imagine who you would maybe want to nationally be a part of a family. Well, he was born into the tribe of Benjamin, which is a privileged position. Paul's name is a Jewish name. He's named after Saul, the first king of Israel. He was named after the most famous member of the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin had been a faithful tribe. So it's like he's saying, boy, I was circumcised, I'm a Benjamite, And also, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means he spoke Aramaic, which was the native tongue of the first century Jews. So he's got these honors and accomplishments as well. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. The Pharisees had a reputation for knowing the law and and following it to the T, and they added actually more onto God's law, and they followed all those extra traditions as well. He was zealous. He's saying, this is an accomplishment I had. I persecuted Christians. I was zealous. And I was flawless. I never got accused of breaking the law. And so he's saying, look at all my accomplishments, all my achievements. And he says, I consider everything a loss. I consider everything of self-effort or worldly privilege a loss. I consider it garbage. It would be like me saying, if this represents all being circumcised on the eighth day and being a Benjamite and being a flawless Pharisee, I'm just going to dump this in the trash can. This is what I think of that accomplishments and privilege. That's what Paul says. There are things that are worthless in this life and there are things that are highly treasured. And what he's showing us is the difference between a doctrine of works, our own efforts, our own accomplishments, and a doctrine of grace where we're just given a gift and we're given the ability to know Christ. That's the gift that's highly treasured. That's what Paul is saying. All these works things, he's not against doing good work. Remember, he's the one that had said, oh, Timothy's wonderful. He doesn't think after his own um, needs. He looks after the needs of others. Paul had been pouring himself out like a drink offering, right? So it's not against works, but if you're doing the works to earn salvation, he's saying that's garbage. That is not truth. All right. If he's going to boast in anything, he's going to boast in Christ alone. Gordon Fee says, human achievement is the ultimate self-centered expression of life, and all of our human accomplishments have a zero net worth. And so 
Um, Luke, you are in the banking business. Maybe you can connect with this because he's talking about gains and losses. Gains and losses. And so he's saying human accomplishment has zero net worth, no value at all. What has value is the grace of God. Boasting in Christ requires humility that one is the subject of God's grace as revealed in the cross. So I am and I was a sinner and I was dead in my sins, but Jesus picked my life out of the pit. He saved me. When you are dead, you cannot save yourself. And so grace comes and picks you up out of the pit. And so Paul has no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in anything that would give him credentials that he would try to use to gain God's acceptance. He values knowing Christ because it was a gift that was given him, and now he's pursuing that relationship with everything he's got. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So this week, Pastor Jalisa and I had the opportunity to go and listen to a classes examination of the new pastor for West Leonard Christian Reformed Church over here on Leonard Street. And in that examination, they asked him, what were the five things, what were the five things about the um, 500th Reformation? And so, um, boy, that makes you think, if I was on the spot, would I know the answer to that? And he says, well, I can't answer in Latin. All right, so at least he doesn't know all the Latin terms, but he got them all. Glory to God alone, by scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. So I talked to the examiner afterwards. I said, that was a great question. And anyway, and they said, well, you know, the Calvin Seminary Forum put out a whole article to celebrate the 500 years of the Reformation. And so I looked at this little um, magazine this week, and I found there just to be a couple of things that were really helpful in that that I want to talk about, because this is what Paul is talking about, about grace alone, that our accomplishments can't, don't earn us salvation. It's a gift of God. And so Dr. Reverend Lyle Birma wrote an article, and he explained that Martin Luther, with the Reformation 500 years ago back in Germany, that he was schooled in theological tradition that taught that God grants saving grace only to people who merit it or earn it with acts of love for God and for their neighbor. And so salvation was an award that you could earn. And as Luther studied the book of Romans, the Lord opened his eyes to the truth that we're saved by grace. It's just a gift of God to us. And so therefore... We are like people who have fallen into a pit and are lying unconscious at the bottom. The only way is a rescue from above, someone who reaches down to revive us, to pull us out to freedom. And as the canons of Dort put it, which is one of our creeds and confessions of our church, humanity is in such a starry state that without the grace of the regenerating Holy Spirit, we are neither willing nor able to return to God. We are not willing or able None of us are willing or able to return to God and even say thank you without the Holy Spirit helping us. Friends, that is a gift. 
And we need to say thank you to the Lord that he's opened our eyes and made us aware that he's given us this gift of life. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right? That's what it says in Ephesians. So righteousness is, comes to us. It's Christ's righteousness, his holiness applied on our account. So we were debtors, we had a sin, and the sin causes us to be in debt. How do we get those books to balance? There is nothing that we can earn and do. We can't go to church enough. We can't, do, um, we can't bake enough cookies for our neighbors. We can't um, blow up balloons and have a balloon fight with our neighborhood kids and do nice things, community service. We can't pick up enough trash to earn our salvation The only way we get to be saved is through the work of Jesus Christ on that cross. And we say thank you because it was just like being born a Benjamite or something. You cannot control that. Jesus didn't have to do that, but he did it. He did it for us. And that's how we earn salvation is that we don't earn it. It's a gift. All right? But it goes against our very culture because we're in this culture that says that we have to earn things. And so... I saw this little ad, what should merit raises be based on? All right, so we earn a raise. What else do we earn? We earn grades, don't we? We work hard, and if you work hard, you get the A or you get the B plus, or maybe you worked really hard and you got the D minus. But, right? All right. Some of us, yes, I've been there on all accounts. All right, but... It kind of gives you that, like, from an early stage, you're striving and earning. You're striving and earning. What else do we earn? We earn awards. How many of you were athletes? And so you ran that race and you tried to run faster than everybody else so that you could get the trophy. Or you were on the spelling bee team and you won the spelling bee. Or, uh, Linda, you're thinking of something. But anyway, all, all this just shows you that it's kind of ingrained in our culture from every angle and even from an early age that somehow we've got to earn something, we've got to earn something. But when we bring that into church, the gospel reverses the values of the world. And so in the midst, Birma writes in his article, in the midst of all this striving and achievement, it's not easy to admit that when it comes to meeting the deepest need of our existence, our restlessness for God, we can do absolutely nothing ourselves. We're totally dependent on outside help. All right? I read, I read some notes from 1535. All right? I know you think that's very interesting to read old things. Well, I'm telling you, this is kind of interesting because it's, a, it's sermon notes from Luther on grace and on the flesh And he says, for Paul, flesh means the highest righteousness. So sometimes when we think of flesh, we think just of sin. But he says, flesh can be the highest righteousness, wisdom, worship, religion, understanding, and will of which the world is capable. He said, therefore, the monk is not justified by his order, nor the priest by the mass, nor the philosopher by wisdom, nor the theologian by theology, nor the Jew by Moses. In other words, no matter how wise and how righteous men and women may be according to reason and the law, 
Yet with all their works, merits, masses, righteousness, acts of worship, they are not justified. So anything that we're trying to do to justify ourselves, to get our account to come so that our debt is paid, he says, it's, if we're counting on that, it's going to be disaster on the final day. What if I have been holding on to all the good things I've written? I've written some good papers, let's say, and I've given some good sermons and some good talks. If I'm counting on that to get me into heaven, it's worthless. I find out I've held on to this for all these years, and it's really got no value at all. If I'm hanging on to grace, and I know this analogy sometimes breaks down, but if I'm hanging on to the good thing of grace, of Jesus' work, his grace just kept supplying and kept coming and coming, and I just kept having grace upon grace, and I'm only, when I go to the gates of heaven, and the Lord says, why should I let you in? And I say, because Jesus is my Savior, and I trust him, and I have faith in him, and he's been helping me day by day by day. All my life, and I can't wait to see him face to face. Buddy, I am going in. You are going in because we have that relationship. We know him. It is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit. It's his Holy Spirit that gave us a desire to know him, to love him. We boast in Christ Jesus. We don't put confidence in the flesh He reminds us of our identity as Christians. Joni, it's not about the things you did. It's about what Jesus has done. And that's our hope. Jesus is our hope. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings. That doesn't mean that we enjoy it when we're suffering. But it means that because He died, and because he was raised, his resurrection, that gives us his presence with us and the hope that we are never alone. And so we experience the power, his presence, his power in our lives because we have that relationship with him because he died for us. Christian life is to know Christ, the prize that we're aiming for, that we're striving for, that we're pressing on for, is Jesus Christ himself. So our response to grace, we don't try to earn, we don't earn anything. We say thank you, and we live this life of joy. Do you see, if you stay focused on Jesus and what he's done for you, when some people say, oh, you have to add this, and you have to add this, and you have to add this to earn it, you're just going to go, ah, I don't have time for that. I'm focusing on Jesus. Today, Jesus is my Lord. No, those things I cannot do to earn them. But if the Lord asks me to do something, I will participate with him. I will cooperate because he's going to give me the power to do it. Paul says to live is Christ, but to die is to gain. To gain what? To gain Christ. Face to face. And so as a runner runs to win, I've never been a good runner. But I've tried to take it up again a little bit, like I'm jogging. And, you know, to run, you just got to get started. You just got to move one foot in front of the other and kind of try to bounce a little bit when you do it. All right? You start and then you press on. You strain forward. You forget what's in the past and you don't let it distract you. 
you just say, anything that I ever did to try to earn my salvation, I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to say that I have worth in what I've done, what I've accomplished, what, what privileges I had as being born in a certain place at a certain time, even an American. We are not going to take pride in being American. That's nationalism. We're going to take pride in being Christians, in Christianity. And we're going to say, I'm going to press on to know Jesus. Even if it means that I'm suffering, he's there with me. I'm going to press on, press forward, strain ahead to him who is my goal, who is my prize. Paul finds life, and I'm quoting from Gordon Fee, meaningful precisely because he sees the future with great clarity. And the future has to do with beginnings. The realization of God's creative purposes through Christ the Lord, there's no other prize, hence nothing else counts for anything except knowing Christ. Do you know that when we see Christ face to face, it's a time of new beginnings? We start to see the earth and creation as God fully designed it without the effects of sin. And so as I read that this week, and I thought of some of our brothers and sisters who are by age or by health issues, I think getting closer to that time of seeing him face to face, I want to say, press forward, press forward, keep going, because it's a time of new beginnings. It's a time where we're going to have glory parted, like we're just going to see. And those of us that are still here when Jesus comes back, I want him to find Gold Avenue Church pressing forward, running with gusto, running to see him who laid down his life for us. Jesus, he's our prize, he's our gift, he's our life, he's our all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for this gift of grace, this gift of having the expectation that one day, even as we know you now experientially, Lord, that we will know you fully experientially. And until that day, Lord, would you help strengthen us even through the meal of grace in a few minutes so that we can run the race with perseverance, that which you've marked out for us. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing us.